Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. This is Amish Baby Machine. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast starring me, Diggs. Today, we have a powerful episode, and somewhere down in his basement is Mike Riz. What's going on, Flock? How you doing, Diggs? I'm uh, going to bust out of this basement sooner or later. I don't yes. know when, but at some point, I will be out of here. Yeah, you got to get some vitamin D. You got to get some sun. Mm. There's no sun How in Minnesota. Some, some, I was going to say, it's been kind of cloudy, kind of snowed today. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another powerful episode of the most powerful podcast ever created, Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. We're going to have a great show today. And as always, we're going to have a great co-host, Assistant Manager Mike Rez. So, Mike Rez, we were talking off air. You enjoyed a disco documentary. I did. It was the Bee Gees documentary, How to Mend a Broken Heart. Just kind of stumbled upon it yesterday. It was one of those nights in uh, in the abode where i was flipping through i watched uh, age of ultron classic movie and then i watched titanic another classic movie which is uh one of the best uh stories ever written of love and then after that was over i stumbled across this species documentary that was on hbo now i heard that they had produced this and i think it's been aired a couple of times already uh, but it goes through the Bee Gees uh, from the beginning all the way to the end, which was, uh, I learned a lot of things that I didn't know about the Bee Gees. Tell us, tell the fans of Flock of Amish about the Bee Gees, the Brothers Gib. That's right. They actually started out as like a rock and roll guitar pop band like the Beatles, which uh, was really funny to see the old footage of them because I've only known them from their Staying Alive days. Uh, so this was like pre-beard but flowing locks of hair, nonetheless, for most of them. And, you know, they were, uh, they sounded like a rock and roll pop boy band, like you would expect from the late 60s. Uh, they were from Australia, though. They weren't part of the British invasion, but they were, you know, Australia is part of the, the British Empire. Good day, mate. I don't know about that. So that was... Powerful music out of Australia. Yes. And then reading or watching this, you know, they, they bring in uh, Eric Clapton uh, in kind of like when just before they start getting into their disco era stuff, uh, because Eric Clapton actually told them to go to Miami and, and record a song in a different country altogether to try to try to re restart their creative juices. And Whoa. it worked. It worked because... The Bee Gees recorded their album Main Course, and then after that, you could say that the rest is history for them. At that time, I mean, I didn't know this, but I guess in 1975, radio stations stopped playing the Bee Gees because nobody wanted to hear the Bee Gees anymore because they were just kind of stale and they had just, you know, 
they broke up and came back and they had a couple of hit records and then the next two really flopped. And so their record label sent out Jive Talking without any labels on it, without telling anybody who it was or what the name of the song was. And then when radio stations heard it, they immediately called the record label back to see who it was. And when they found out it was the Bee Gees, everybody was excited again. Bee Gees. So that's how their their rekindling of their of their careers went. So Jive Talking came out, and then Nights on Broadway. That oh song, my god! That was the first falsetto uh, song for Barry Gibb. That was when they found out that he could sing falsetto. God, and, I uh, love Jive Talking. What a great song! Bass yeah, riffs it's and just uh, sweet. Nights on Broadway. Great drums. They got some yeah. really good drums going on. They did. Uh, they were, uh, you know, speaking of drums, they were talking about when uh, Staying Alive came out, you know, the drum beat in that. Oh, yes. Powerful. So their drummer actually had to go back to England uh, because his mom wasn't, wasn't doing well. So he flew back, but they still needed to record this album. And so they took some of the drums from Jive Talking, slowed it down and put it on a loop. So he's not even actually playing drums in it. They just took a song that they had already recorded, slowed down four seconds of it, and then just looped it. That was the first time a, like a number one hit song used all looped music. All the music in that in Staying Alive is looped. Wow. I got to listen to it now and see if my powerful ears can uh, pick that up. I yeah, didn't even think about it. No, I didn't even think about it either. And guess what I did this morning? I uh, staying alive and that's exactly what i did i was listening for the for the loops and they're all in there it was it was crazy and then with jive talking the guitar in that or the bass in that one they got the idea for that off of their drive from the house they were staying at to the studio there was a part of a, a bridge that they would cross every day that had that that sound that oh the beginning of it that rhythm yeah yeah and so barry gibb wrote the song around that sound which was just nuts because they they didn't even, you know, a lot of musicians, they tell you how they write down ideas in notebooks, and then they have ideas that come to them in the middle of the night, and then they wake up and they record stuff. The Bee Gees always did it in studio. They had no idea what songs they were going to write until they got to the studio, and that's how they recorded. Weird. Uh, like they said, 800 songs that way. 800? Yep. Powerfully so. prolific. Yeah, they had a lot of lot of staying power, and then you throw in their younger brother Andy. Yes, tragically and, passed away. Yeah, and they all, I mean, for a while there, I think they said for about ten years, if the Bee Gees weren't number one, Andy was number one, which was nuts. In in some some country somewhere in the world, it was that's the kind of uh, hold the Gibbs had on the music world. Do you know the age difference? How much younger he was than the other brothers? Oh, I want to say, I know they mentioned it and I didn't pay attention to that part, but it was at least 10 years because they were all off actually having their hits in the sixties. And Andy was, you know, just a kid when they were off on their little magic music land fairy tale. It was funny. Maurice Gibb was telling the story about how, you know, they always have like, how did money and fame change you? And, he was saying before he was 21, he had six Rolls Royces and has no idea what happened to any of them, which, uh, weird. Yeah. So it was either a lot of drinking, a lot of pills or just a lot of not caring at that age. 
I'm going to say not caring, but I'm sure they partied. They did. They partied quite a bit, actually. So they said uh, if they weren't drinking a, out of a bottle, they were popping a pill. Whoa. Yeah. I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but they, <laughs> they did party hardy. They did, yeah. And then uh, when they came to, to the U.S., to Miami, when they when they started recording here and uh, changed their, their sound a little bit and kind of had a rebirth of their music careers, that's when they, they all cleaned up their act. What was your favorite song or songs by the Bee Gees? Well, you know, I, How Deep Is Your Love? That's a good one. Just that whole Saturday Night Fever soundtrack is pretty sweet. Night Fever? Night Fever. Yep. You should be that's, dancing. That's a powerful rhythm. Yeah, that's a good one, too. I kind of forgot that uh, I did like Nights on Broadway. And it's funny because that's the song that they use when on Saturday Night Live when they. <laughs> yeah, when they make fun <laughs> they, of them on the. Yeah, the Barry Gibb talk show or whatever they call Yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's. I like that one. I love the drums in the intro. That's one that everyone makes fun of, but when you actually listen to it, it's it's pretty tight. Yeah, they wanted to to make a, uh, a New York sounding song. That song came about lights on Broadway. I guess it was originally called the lights from Broadway. And their producer said that title sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they changed it to nights on Broadway and their producer was happy with that. So, but they wrote a song for Otis Redding in the sixties, late sixties and Otis Redding never was able to record it because they wrote it. And then a week before he was supposed to record it, uh, he passed away in that plane crash, Otis Redding. Wow. And uh, then I and I don't have the name of the song here. You think I'd be prepared for that? I think it's sitting on the disco dance floor. <laughs> That's all I got. It's got to be it. Yeah. Well, that was good. It was really good. Yes. So, Powerful. But then uh, they started talking about how when disco died and the Bee Gees kind of faded away. Um, apparently there's some radio disc jockey in Chicago that started the whole disco sucks movement. And then, uh, you know, disco started getting commercial when Rick D's released disco duck. And that was pretty much the end of disco was disco duck is what killed it for everybody. What's weird is how music starts and then it gets more produced and overproduced and then it becomes disco. I mean, if you think of songs like kiss Beth, you know, yep. or uh, what's that? Uh, I was loving you, baby. What's that song? I was loving you, baby. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I'm total disco. You were meant yeah, exactly. for loving me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones. I mean, they they all went through disco phases, but people seem to forget it, and then just you know, shit on the Bee Gees. Yeah, exactly. They did have an interview with the band in there. Uh, little little known band that some people may have heard about, uh, Fleetwood Mac. And Lindsey Buckingham and Mick Fleetwood were totally trashing disco. You know, they were like, well, you know, you, the blues and, and, and you know, rhythm and rhythm and blues, that, they, that'll always stick around, but disco's just a, a fad, you know? <laughs> so it's like, whoa, throwing shade. Yeah, I mean, but Fleetwood Mac, I mean, think of a, uh you know, overproduced disco, some of their stuff. Like, what is the the keyboardist, that lady, what's her name? It's a song Christy that... McBee. Yeah, I mean, what's that song she had? That was like a real poppy, overproduced tune. Oh, yeah, she had, like, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. That was That's some poppy. The newer one, though. 
when it was just her by solo. I think you mentioned it as song of the day once. Oh, everywhere. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's got some poppy sound to it. They they definitely went through their own '80s phase of pop. So I I you know I like the Bee Gees. I don't care if uh, disco's dead. I'm a necromancer because you know I dig <laughs> I dig, I dig the disco. Yeah. I, I mean it's cool to be able to just appreciate all genres of music. You know these people get all hardcore you know, metal heads, but they only like certain kind of metal and they don't like melodic metal. And they only like, you know, it's like, I, if it's good, if I enjoy it, I'm going to listen to it. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty, it was a good documentary. So, um, if you can find it on HBO or HBO max, it's uh Bee Gees, uh, documentary. Uh, it's pretty, pretty good. You'll learn a lot, especially if you don't know, like for me, I, all I know about the Bee Gees is, uh, staying alive that's what i went into it as you know and of course some of their other hits but then you get to know their their backgrounds and and everything and i guess i didn't get to i didn't watch it to the end so i'm sure they touched on on andy's death and uh the footage of all three of the brothers are old because i you know maurice is not with us anymore robin robin's not with us anymore is andy still or barry still alive yes i believe so all right but they did have interviews with all of their old drummers and and keyboardists so that was uh that's pretty cool those are more up-to-date interviews so those guys are still alive and uh maurice's uh wife or his widow is still alive so what were was this on netflix no hbo and hbo max is what it's on now help me out what's the difference between hbo and hbo max nothing really if you want to stream hbo you have to get hbo max and all of the HBO shows are available on HBO Max. Is there but still H- is there still HBO Go? No, that's gone. So HBO once gone. Max came out, that took over all of HBO's other streaming apps, and those are all all gone. So if you want HBO on the go, you got to get HBO Max. Speaking of movies and streaming, we had a powerful movie giveaway. We gave away Mel Gibson's movie Batman. Powerful success. And today we want to talk about another powerful movie giveaway we have. This is huge. Oh, it is huge. This is going to be Bruce Willis's new movie. Bruce Willis stars in the action-packed sci-fi thriller Breach. Buy or rent it on digital today. Fleeing Earth after a deadly plague, a spaceship transporting the remaining survivors faces a new threat. A shape-shifting alien force intent on slaughtering what is left of humanity. Buy or rent Breach and watch it tonight. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. Very excited to be able to give away this movie. We're going to need you to follow us on Twitter. We'll let you know how to enter to win this powerful movie. So follow us on Twitter at Amish Bee Machine. We're powerfully excited, Micah Rez, aren't we? We are very excited. Can't wait to give away another movie with another action star. Yes, Bruce Willis. Action movies. It's going to be sweet. Yes. Sweet bald dome is going into space again. I'm not going anywhere. Oh. Oh, you're talking about Bruce Willis. Yeah. If you could shape shift, what shape would you shift into? A trapezoid. You know what's funny is I was thinking trapezoid in case you asked me. Yes, because you were thinking my powerful (laughs) trapezius muscles, weren't you? (laughs) Sure, we'll go with that, yeah. Yes. A lot of people think it's because I, <laughs> I hang it on the hanger and it's stretching my shirt out. No, that those are my traps. <laughs> now, oh, there's man. been, a, you know, Christmas time always comes around. What does everyone talk about? Bruce Willis and Die Hard. 
Right. Now I got to ask you, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. Only because it seems to be the only time I watch it because that seems to be the only time it's really on any of the networks. Did you see it in the movie theater? No, I was, uh, I think it was, when did that come out? Was that 84 or 87? 88. 88, so I was 11. You should have saw it. You should have seen it. Should have seen it. Done, should have saw it. Should have sought it. Now, did your parents let you go to R-rated movies? Did you sneak into R-rated movies? No, uh, I, I probably wasn't brave enough to sneak into any movies at that age, and I know I wasn't a I was not allowed to see any R-rated movies back then. Yes. Did you? Well, I'd have to, I'm an old man, so I'd have to go back to think what, what came out when I was, <laughs> when I was that young. Was, did you sneak in to see Mary Poppins? <laughs> I, I snuck in to see Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and Gone with the Wind. Right. <laughs> oh, powerful. The computer that wore tennis shoes. Now I'm going to say that Bruce Willis Die Hard was not a Christmas movie. It was just a movie that happened to be set in the time of Christmas. A Christmas gotcha. movie is, you know, Christmas Story, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Those are Christmas movies, you know. Recently, in the last, I don't know how many years, everyone got all excited and said it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Although that seems to be like a, like a debate that you know, just goes on forever now would you consider the movie armageddon a sci-fi because it's like a, it's an action movie that just happens to be in space armageddon is sci-fi okay action movie has to have arnold or stallone or <laughs> von damme or, or steven seagal <laughs> who else that's about it chuck norris wait is bruce willis in armageddon he is in armageddon oh we love it it's an action movie starring bruce willis <laughs> What was the other oh, one? Man. You know, when a movie comes out and they always have another copycat. So it was Armageddon, and what was the other one? Uh, was that one Deep Impact, uh, or what D- was it? Deep Impact, yeah, yeah, that was Deep Impact. That was uh, Morgan Freeman and uh, some other people that I can't remember. <laughs> what was that really bad one we saw where the where the Earth the core stopped moving? Oh, the, the core! Oh my god. <laughs> It was Armageddon in Earth. Yeah, and it was that dude. What's that dude's name from the Two Face from Batman? Yeah, uh, is that uh, Aaron Eckhart? Yes, is that him. Yeah, and uh, Hillary Swank. She was the other scientist or whatever she was. Maybe she could box Mike Tyson. Ooh, she could. Now, did you did you see the uh, the announcement after our our conversation from our episode about celebrity boxing? Did you see who's fighting? Uh, that weird YouTuber next. Who is it? It's uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. Oh, I thought it was Floyd the Barber. No, no, not Floyd the Barber. I don't know if Alice would, would let him do that. Oh, or is I, that lo- I love Floyd the, the Barber. Butcher. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's Sam, Sam the, the butcher. butcher. Sam the Butcher. Everyone has a title. <laughs> You're an well, assistant yeah, manager. Was... You're Mike the yeah. assistant manager. The assistant manager. <laughs> Mike Raz. <laughs> Powerful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, Took yeah. Every, everyone that. and their mom is boxing now. Think my mom's boxing? I should ask her. I said everyone and your mom, yes. No, I'm gonna ask her. 
No, I mean, because <laughs> when, I. When's I heard, your next match, Mom? Yeah, Evander Holyfield. He's coming out, I guess. Um, I mean, it's just come on. And then yeah. the one I've been watching on YouTube is uh, two powerful world's strongest men, Hathor Bjornsson and Eddie Hall. Are you familiar with them, Mike or Rez? Uh, I know uh, Hathor. He's been around for, seems like, ever yes. now. Yes, Game of Thrones, The Mountain. Yep. And then Eddie the Hall is world's strongest dude from England at the world's heaviest deadlift. Okay, been, okay, that's that dude. Okay, I know who that is. I've been, I've been watching those two go back and forth on YouTube. They, a year from now, they're going to box. Why does Half Thor always look like he's got a huge dip in his mouth? He, yeah, he's always Bell's, dipping? Bell's palsy. Oh, his, uh, there you go. Half of his face was paralyzed. It's still paralyzed? Because I know Bell's palsy, I don't, I don't know if the correct term is wears off, but I know it goes away. Yeah, he's, uh, it's getting better, but it's still pretty noticeable. I watch his videos. Okay. Yeah, so he had an episode. I don't know when that happened, but he that's that's why his face is drooping on one side. You come across like a nice guy, but you're really a piece of shit. Yeah, well, I take it back then. I feel bad that I even <laughs> brought it up. <laughs> so, yeah, him and... him and, dipping. Yeah, him and Eddie Hall have been going back and forth and watching their workouts and their boxing routines. And you never know because I'm so cynical. You never know how much of it's bullshit and how much is real. Because they have to build up the hype, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's part of the part of the deal. It's just like in wrestling. Yes. Yeah, you build it up. And you, then hopefully nobody dies when they finally fight. But like we were talking about, people still love it, though. I mean, because they're still making money. Right. So they... Yeah. So that's the one I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a year from now, but it's two of the world's strongest, you know, biggest dudes in the world boxing. The footage, I've been, the footage I've been watching is they get gassed really, really quickly, though, you know, their, <laughs> oh, endu- their sure. endurance, you know. <laughs> well, they're just used to, like, picking up Atlas Stones or. Yes, Atlas up. Stones. Good, good job on uh, recalling the name. Yeah, hey, yeah. Throwing kegs over their head or whatever. Yes. <laughs> I was watching footage of, like, in the 70s, World's Strongest Man. They always had the weirdest things. They had, like, bending a steel bar on your head and <laughs> going in and out of the refrigerator and all this, picking up food. And... Uh, what really do they weird. do now? Don't they, like, hold axes in now, each arm straight out? Oh, they had that cool, like, that Samson thing where they'd hold up the pillars. Until their arms gave out. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. they narrowed it down a lot. They used to like pull cars and stuff. And now it's, you know, the Atlas stones and they have this big log lift. And we didn't need to do the cable toss again. They need to bring that back. Like the, See how long toss a the caber toss, pole. like the, yeah, the, <laughs> the Highlander games. And yeah, <laughs> I think they should, they should try to combine world's strongest man with the lumberjack competition. I want to see yes. one of those guys climbing a pole, see how fast they can climb yes. a pole or saw a log or something. But they have to carry the log from <laughs> from the forest, the 500-pound log, set it up on the horses, and then saw it. They that have to that saw, should be a competition. They have to saw it in half and then pour resin in it, blue resin, and make one of those river tables. <laughs> <Yeah>, river table. <laughs> Heck yeah. Speaking of resin, why don't you... Uh... Let's hear about your uh, latest endeavors, pouring the resin. What are you creating, Mike Rez? I'm creating skulls. I found uh, ice cube molds 
on on Etsy that that are in the shape of a skull. So I'm pouring resin in those and making these super black skulls. And I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet, but I've got a couple laying around the house that I'm staring at me, and it's pretty scary. It is. Why don't you go back to the light, Mike Rez? What's with the black skulls? I don't know. I just, you know, I have black pigment and I have resin and I have molds that make skulls now. So, yes. <laughs> so I have that poured a couple of other, like some, some commission pieces for painting this last uh, week or two. So that's been, that's been fun. So if someone wanted to check out your artwork, where would they go? Oh, the best place they could go. It would be Instagram. If they want to look up Mike's paint studio, all one word. And, uh, they would find that's where I'm most active with the art is on there. So come one, come all. On where are Instagram. you most inactive on AOL or what? Oh yeah. Yeah. MySpace, AOL. GeoCities. Um, yep. <laughs> look, look us up in Alta Vista. Yeah. I'm trying to get my SIM avatar yes. does learn how to pour. Powerful. Paint, but all and they you, do is keep lighting the house on fire. Yes. And if you want to help support the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast, Make sure you subscribe. We're available everywhere fine podcasts are found. Apple, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You name it, we're on there. We also have our powerful YouTube channel. We're going to need you to subscribe to it. Mike Arez, I just did a powerful challenge where I attempt to eat eight packages of ramen noodles. Gripping video. We're going to need you to check that out. Follow us on Twitter at Amish B Machine. Instagram, Amish Baby Machine, like our Facebook page. And we also have powerful merch. We're going to need you to buy the merch. We have hoodies, stickers, t shirts, powerful, millions of original designs. Another great way to support our podcast is Patreon, patreon.com. Now, Mike, as we're talking about celebrities boxing, and I was looking at Dwayne Johnson, yeah. The Rock. Did you know about his tequila brand? He has a tequila brand. Do they all have tequila brands now? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Tequila of the people, Terramana Tequila has sold hundreds of thousands of cases since it's launched. They think he's going to become a billionaire just off of this. Really? Yes. That's for me. I don't drink tequila. A Hollywood star's Terramana Tequila brand debuted in March and is said to be making record-breaking sales and exclusive news and uh, wine outlet called uh, Check and News Daily reported it, reportedly on track to sell 300,000 nine-liter cases by March 2021. Jesus. The brand is also expected to ship 400,000 cases around the world. That's crazy. Who is buying tequila? Uh, People that are locked up in their house during a pandemic. I mean, it's amazing to me because, you know, you talk about these celebrity tequilas. I mean, you have Sammy Hagar. George Clooney. George Clooney, Guy Fieri. I mean, I understand the beer, you know, craft beer, but this tequila, I mean, I don't know who's buying it. Yeah, there's no good qualities in tequila. I don't think you would drink it for the taste, right? I mean, that's like, it's a liquor that's synonymous with getting getting fucked up. I mean, you're, you're not going to sip that, are you? I mean, I'm I'm sure there's some people that do drink it like a whiskey or a brandy, but I don't, that's what seems like a lot of tequila. Yeah. It's just amazing to me. And there, there, there's obviously that much profit to be made. Yeah. 
the uh, big thing around here with uh, a couple of ex sports professional sports players here in Minnesota is vodka. That seems to be like the the boutique spirit here. If you're an ex <laughs> an ex professional sports athlete, vodka. Yeah, Chad Greenway, the uh, used to be a Minnesota linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings. He's into Grey Duck vodka, and then uh, Mark Parrish, who used to be not Grey Goose because it's from Minnesota. Right. Yeah. Duck right, Duck exactly. Grey Duck. Yep. The only way to play it. And then uh, Northland Vodka is uh, Mark Parrish from the, the Wild. It has something to do with that. I don't know if he's a partner in it or just their spokesman, but he's behind that one. So all the it's like the craft spirits vodka is the, the big one. So I guess you got to make money doing something. Not that Dwayne Johnson needs any more money. Yeah, I got to think tequila is more of a bar and club drink than something people are going to drink at home. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, that's why it, I think that's why we're both kind of like, who's who's buying this? <laughs> there's there's unless, nowhere to go yeah, to buy it unless they're thinking that the uh, the corona is going to be gone and people are going to be hitting the bar as super hard, which probably will happen. Yeah, but will they go for the tequila? Who knows? Well, I mean, look at uh, like you said, George Clooney made a ton of money off it. Yep. Sammy Hagar. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Cl- Clooney made a. He, I think he was the first one, and he made hundreds of millions of dollars in the first couple of months off of that. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's like movies, and there's a huge overseas market. Could be because it says they're shipping uh, four hundred thousand cases around the world. Yeah, I bet you you're right. I bet there's a huge overseas market. We're we're either too you know we're going to be late to the party at or or just don't care because it's freaking tequila (laughs) gross because it says here uh clooney sold his tequila 175,000 cases and this here says that for one less than one year they're on track to sell 300,000 cases and ship 400,000 cases I don't, these numbers are astronomical. I would be happy if I made tequila just to sell a hundred cases. Maybe we should do Amish baby machine tequila. Oh, there you go. Let's do it. Yes. Why not? I get, I've got a, I can grow an agave plant, I think. Yes. I don't know if this is the right plant. What if we, those little succulent plants you always have at the store, (laughs) maybe we could just use those, right? Oh, sure. Everyone loves those little gardens. The Amish baby machine suck Yulent tequila. Oh my God. Can you imagine? What would you call uh, it? What would the name of our tequila be? I, I think we would have to call it the most powerful tequila ever distilled, right? Yes. Distilled what's, tequila. what's, uh, <laughs> you speak Spanish. What's powerful in Spanish? Uh, power, El Powerfulo. I have is no that what idea. it is? Oh, come on. I have on. no idea. Let me look this up. <laughs> You're asking a guy I know. who should know. But doesn't know. There's two two different ones. Yeah. Yep. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So the masculine form is Padaroso. Padaroso. And, and the feminine form is Padarosa. And I don't have the right accent, right? So 
please members of the flock don't email me and tell me that my accent sucks because I know it does. So when you're referring to a man, that's where the masculine comes in. If you're referring to a woman, that's where the feminine one comes in. How about just Ponderosa Steakhouse, we'll call it. Ooh, there you go. Ponder Ponderosa. <laughs> yeah. Amish baby machine tequila. Ponderosa. Who's your favorite? I love Little Joe. Little That's Joe's. the only one. I, it's Little Joe. Was that the paw from? Yes, powerful. <laughs> yes, from I love Little paw. House on the Prairie. Yes, very good. Paw. Yes, Nelly. Nelly was a bitch in that show. She was just misunderstood. Just like really? Miss, just just like Mrs. Olson. I loved her. <laughs> Mr. Olson was the, the, the oh awesome my god shopkeeper. He, he, he was just so cocked, wasn't he? She just, she just <laughs> oh, she just deballed that poor guy. <laughs> yeah but i think by the end they kind of both came around i think i know nelly i think one of the one of the older episodes when they were like all older nelly came back and was kind of like i was so wrong to be such a mean-spirited child as a young one it's like oh they even killed her off pretty much yeah <laughs> so i just liked how they uh took care of fevers back in those days they just wrapped you in plastic wrap and put yes around. well doc baker he you know he'd always go to new york and know the latest way to heal you right <laughs> they've got he'd this always, new thing called a syringe yeah they ride down to sleepy eye i would have just gone to the mayo clinic i mean he was they were here in minnesota did they have that back then um we're gonna say yeah yeah i'm sure they did sure i think doc baker was one of the founding members of the mayo <laughs> clinic <laughs> Now we uh watched on uh Netflix Fear City New York versus the Mafia. What'd you think of that? It was interesting. You you find out about the ma- mafia in New York City in the uh was it late 70s and 80s, no, late to mid 80s. I enjoyed it. I did watch it. Kept my attention for all three episodes. And it was just three episodes on Netflix. Uh but they do follow the five crime families of Manhattan, Gambino, Colombo, Bonanno, uh, Lucis, and Genovese. I think I said that all right. And they follow them from when the FBI started planting bugs to getting a case together. And uh, Rudy Giuliani is in it. Um, and this, you know, when he was part of the, uh, the leading attorney, the U.S. attorney at uh, the Southern District of New York, um, and then they it walks you through the trial. It was actually pretty interesting, I think. And on my end of things, it was kind of funny to hear some of the FBI agents talk, uh, and then the couple of of ex mob guys they had talk about their side of things as well. I I just think it's so weird that they're you know they're it's so structured and they're. They're so tight, tight-lipped about everything. But then some guy that's posing as a phone repairman or a cable guy can just <laughs> sneak right in there. Yeah, I know that guy. That how would you like to have that job? You gotta, you gotta figure out. You and your team have to figure out a way to get into the mafia's homes or restaurants, wherever they're meeting, or their cars. You gotta, 
plant plant bugs without them knowing what you're planting. The way that guy was acting, he was so cool too. The real guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wouldn't you be shitting bricks? Yeah, I would be. Dead. When he was talking about uh, how he got the one underboss to help him bug the the cable box. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that. That took some balls. I mean, you have to be carrying around a pair of brass ones to do that. That was not uh, not something. I don't know if I would be able to do or not. Or the, uh, what was the, the one agent who talked about, he would send greeting cards to the one boss <laughs> of the Gambino family. Taunt him. He, yeah, he's like, when he had for his birthday or when he heard he was getting sick or, you know, whatever, he would send him get well cards. I mean, that was, that was pretty funny. I kind of like that. So do you recommend that to, to the fans of Flock of Amish to watch that? Yeah, I do. It, uh, cause, there's some names that you you'll recognize. Um, like I said, Giuliani's in it. Um, they sit down with him and talk about it. Then the three prosecutors that prosecuted the the mob um, on those RICO charges. Um, I think that Michael Chertoff was one of the attorneys. I I recognize his name, and I can't remember why I know his name. Um, uh, head of I, Homeland Security. That's why I know his name. <laughs> so he uh, he's in it, and then uh, you know Trump makes just uh, you know appearances from footage, uh, video footage. Not they don't sit down and talk to him, and then they talk about Gotti. I wish they kind of went into Gotti's situation a little bit more. Yeah, that would be a that would be a cool like maybe like a sequel or a spinoff. Yeah, because uh, they just talk about it near the end about the little sneaky shit god he did he kind of seems like somebody who's just like a weasel doesn't he i mean he's just a teflon don yeah and i was reading a little bit about him afterwards and it said that uh a lot of the other uh families that were around when Gotti got popped finally and he was the reason why the american italian mob families kind of disappeared and stopped uh functioning was because of Gotti. That was uh, that would be quite a legacy to to have <laughs> going on even after you passed away. What did he pass away? Eighteen years ago, I think it was of throat cancer or something like that. It's been that long? Wow. Yeah, I think it was oh two or oh three in prison. He he passed away, but yeah, he was one of those guys that would want what he was doing, wear the fancy suits, and you know, talk and talk to the media all the time, and that kind of pissed off a lot of. Uh, crime families but it made their lives harder um and like you said teflon don is what they call them because no matter what they tried to charge him but uh they i think they he was acquitted on like three or four charges before the the big ones that came and and got him so yeah and it was an interesting show because it it was through the eyes of law enforcement usually it's kind of romanticized and you see the the crime and, and this was kind of pretty much straightforward through the eyes of law enforcement and how it went down. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. I was surprised. They, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because it's Netflix. And it's not like they have to worry about censors or anything, but they were showing those uh, crime scene pictures of the guy that got whacked at, at the restaurant. He was shot 84 times. God. <laughs> He had the cigar in his mouth and his eyeball hanging out. Uh. <laughs> well, that was that was quite funny. It just it, it seemed like those mob bosses just really you know they yeah 
you don't want to cross them because they'll kill you. But at the same time, they're just like, you know, like regular people. <laughs> so they had the, the one lawyer who was assigned to, to defend uh, Fat Tony from the Bonanno crime family. And uh, he said he didn't know how, how the subject came up, but he couldn't get a cabbage patch doll for his daughter at the time. So Fat Tony sent him a case of cabbage patch dolls. So it's like, oh man, it's like, see, they, they want to be helpful. But yeah. It's, we it's, also know that case of cabbage patch dolls has probably got lifted somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It, they're all people and they compartmentalize stuff and they still lead a life and they go to church and eat food, you know, like regular people, but they just commit crime and then the cops going after them. And yeah, it was a right. cool well, show to watch. Yeah. Well, that was a thing that, you know, I, that I learned too, is that the higher up you are, the less you are involved with what's going on. You just kind of, you tell your underboss what, what you want done and then they tell their captain and then it's up to the soldiers and the captains to make sure that what the boss wants happens. So that's why it was so hard to to prosecute the actual bosses of these crime families is because they, they, they put enough people in between them and the act of the crime that you could never prosecute them directly. So, but then this Rico law came out and that's how they got all of them, all five of them at once. Yeah. And it's weird because then when they go away, then it's kind of like a crime vacuum and then other groups, you know, slide in there. Yeah. I was kind of uh, surprised to see one of the, the crime guys that they talked to, throughout the the guy in the boxing gym that <laughs> the end it says he turned state's evidence <laughs> he's acting like a tough guy throughout the whole series well all three episodes and then at the end they tell you he, he turned state's evidence yeah it's so do it's, any crime yeah it's so weird when you see someone flip like that yeah they had the guy from the guardian angels that Curtis Lee well and Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. He was in there. Yeah, he yeah. started the founder of the Guardian Angels. Yes, his, his uncle was getting shaken down quite a bit. It sounds like. Yeah, he got shot several times. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the early '80s in New York. It was it was a pretty cool time, and it was a pretty cool show to watch. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed that selection. What uh, what would you rate it out of five buggy wheels? It was a pretty um, straightforward show. I'd say uh, 3.54. It just reminded me of some on the History Channel. It wasn't too exciting. I mean, the subject matter is cool, but the actual show was pretty straightforward. Three and a half. Yeah, it was uh, like your run of the mill. I mean, it got to the point. There wasn't a lot of filler. No. In there, you see with some of these series, these docu-series. Yeah. It, I mean, it wasn't, there. yeah, there wasn't a lot of phony stuff. It wasn't the Lion King, you know. No. Uh, I would give it a three and a half as well. Tiger um, King, whatever. <laughs> Tiger King, yeah. Lion King, Tiger King. The other thing I really liked was how when they were would interview some of those agents, they would do it in a car. <laughs> yeah. In like an old Cutlass or whatever. Yes. <laughs> those old Fords. Just to give it like an authentic feel of how that's how they conducted a lot of no, their the, own business. Yeah, the vibe in the eighties was pretty cool. The clothes and the, you know, the old photographs and the way they dressed and. Right. Uh, it was it was a pretty cool show. Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Thank you, everyone that listens to this powerful episode. Thank you, Mike Rez, for your powerful Thank you, contributions. Thank you.
And until next time, you've just enjoyed the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else fine podcasts are found. Please support our podcast through Patreon and shop our merch at AmishBabyMachine.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. This has been an Amish Baby Machine production.